What's up, everyone? How you doing? How you living? This is Austin Cunningham here, joined as always with Doug Anderson, Justin Trees, and then Riley O'Brien will be coming on here soon. A lot to talk about here today. You know, just when you think NFL is starting to get quiet, it just kind of, you know, shit starts to hit the fan. We'll go ahead and get started here with Russell Wilson. I was notorious for the last episode of talking about him getting traded and how that changes everything. And then I go to bed and I wake up to see he is the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. Guys, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, we all, well, I, I shouldn't say we all. Austin and I for sure. I mean, last week, I think Riley asked us, um, is Russell Wilson going to be a Seattle Seahawk this next season? We both quickly said no. Um, however, I mean, we did back it up by saying, eh, I mean, maybe, I don't know. And then we also said, just, just putting this out there, the Seahawks wouldn't make the playoffs only if Russell Wilson wasn't on the team. So, I mean, Russell Wilson's on the team, signed us a huge deal, makes a creepy-ass video. So, hey, good for Russ, right? Good for Russ. Yeah, good for Russ. I mean, the dude's making a dollar and send 10 cents per second for the next four years. So, yeah, good for him. Uh, you know, what would it be like to make $96,000 a day for four straight years? That'd be like, that's the good life, isn't it? Dude, that's the good, good life. Like, like Mike Trout for the next 12, though. Yep, exactly, right? Uh, um, but overall, I've been the guy on this podcast always supporting Russell Wilson here. So, you know, I had him on my team for the next three years. I'm super excited for him. Uh, earlier in the podcast, I said that they were going to win that division. I still believe they're going to win that division. So, yeah, bring it on, Rams. Let's see what, let's see what LA's got. Uh, and the more I'm thinking about it now, now that that's done, I'm starting to actually believe that they're going to go offensive weapon in the first round. Now I'm starting to think like maybe an AJ Brown or of a DK Metcalf and just say, okay, Russ, you're getting paid. We're, you're still in your prime. Let's give you one more weapon. Cause you've always had the small receivers, right? You've always had the curse or the Baldwin or the locket. Let's, let's give you a big guy and see what, see what can be done. What pick do they have? They have pick 21, I believe. Okay. 21 or 22. It's 21. So at the same time there, though, we've seen him make it work with any receiver that's there, you know, and with Baldwin and Lockett, he seems to kind of have a pretty good pretty good duo there with some speed and, you know, reliable hands. Do you think he still might be asking for some protection? I mean, he's got the worst offensive line in the league, you know, maybe outside of the Giants, but I don't know how bad their offensive line is, or maybe it's just Eli not adapting to the new NFL game speed. So to me, I still think they go offensive line just for the fact that Russell Wilson's like, hey, I'm making this money, but I would still like to be playing while making this money instead of getting killed or having to run for my life and just hope to God that I can drop the ball in the breadbasket one more time. Yeah, so – Actually, their offensive line wasn't ranked that bad last year. Uh, if you go into the ra rankings, I think they were like middle of the pack, which still isn't great, right? But it wasn't like the worst it, that we were kind of accustomed to seeing from Seattle. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the coaching change that they'd made last season. So, but I guess my big thing is Baldwin came out a, about a month ago and said that he is seriously considering retirement because he's had he's had three surgeries this offseason. And he says that he just doesn't like going through this with his body, and he doesn't know if it's worth it. Wow! Damn. Yeah, I didn't hear that. I think, you know, I'm I'm on the fence to be honest with you for both of you on that because I could see them building their offensive line. I mean, their quarterback 
they're paying a pretty penny for him by the hour. So it's it's pretty big to keep him protected. But, I mean, at wide receiver this year, I think there's pretty decent depth. But when it comes to real starter talent at the wider posi- wide receiver position, the wide receiver number one, I could see them in the first round getting a wide receiver, like an A.J. Brown, maybe even Nikhil Harry. I would prefer them not to get D.K. Metcalf for me. DK Metcalf isn't a top 32 player for me. So I think it'd be a lot better for them to go elsewhere. More of a proven receiver, but they could go either way in my mind. Yeah, you, but you know the moment he goes to Seattle, like if this is DK Metcalf, he's going to be like the healthiest motherfucker there is. And I Oh, for real. Oh, shit. No, Russell Wilson, dude, he's going to have a crazy year. I mean, whoever they bring in, it'll be a good year for him. I mean... They're going to, of course, need to build up their defense a little bit more. I mean, they got Bobby Wagner, but Bobby can't do everything. Um, Build up defense, which is also a place that they can find depth in throughout the draft. Really, to me, the only, the few places that have absolute shitty depth in this draft is easily um, linebacker and quarterback. I just don't see any depth there. But... People reach. People yeah, reach absolutely. a ton. Absolutely. And which brings me to my next little point that I want to talk about, because everybody keeps wanting to tell me that the Jaguars are taking Jawan Taylor at pick seven, and I'm <laughs> telling everybody that I truly believe it's going to be Sweat or Oliver. Um, but for me, I'm like, they keep picking up guys for that right tackle position and giving, no, they're not, none of them are like these great guys or they wouldn't have been available, right? But I feel like they're trying to just get that glue guy that they can, so they can take a right tackle in round two or in round three and then just say, okay, let's, let's make this work. And then let's still get the edge, the premier edge rusher in round one. That's it's what I'm truly believing that they're going to do. But either way, I guess I wouldn't really be surprised because Coughlin is the dude that is, we're going to build an offensive line, we're going to build a defensive line, everything else will kind of just fall into place. Exactly. Find a guy that can, you know, that will plug and play right now and then maybe hope for Dalton Reisner there in the early second, early part of the second round. Exactly. So, Doug, you said it earlier that, you know, this is going to be a crazy year for Seattle. It's going to be a crazy year for the NFL. And, you know, that goes in perfectly with the NFL schedules that just came out, you know, yesterday. Everything was finalized for the times, dates, you know, where everything is. So I would like to go ahead and start off with my frustration with New England. How does a team that just won the Super Bowl have probably one of the easiest schedules in the NFL? I mean, they don't play the Chiefs, I think, still it's like week 14, and it's in Foxborough again. That's three freaking straight years that they've played in Foxborough. I mean, what's going on with that? You know, usually you're going to overflip it, but for some reason it's still there. I hope Mahomes goes in there and just lights him up, and we're like, okay, thank you, see you later. Hope to see you in the playoffs again in Arrowhead. We're going to do the same thing, and we're going to keep rolling. But I would like to know what your guys' thoughts are on your schedules, the way they were released, and, you know, what game you're looking most forward to this year. The game I'm looking most forward to this year, personally, for the Browns, of course, is December 15th against the Cardinals. Um, 
mainly. I mean, there's also like the little drama or whatever with like Cliff Kingsbury and Baker Mayfield. I could care less about that. The reason I'm excited is because I'm going to that game. Like I already have my tickets, so I'll be there. I think that's the game I'm the most excited for. But at the same time, I'm excited for the Browns to go up against the Rams. I mean, that was a Super Bowl team last year. Like, if we're if the Browns are really going to do anything this year and they can go up against the Rams and win or at least hold their own, I'm going to be really damn excited for the rest of the season. Because, uh, I mean, the Browns, they don't have an insanely hard schedule if you're looking at what the teams were like last year. But they're going to have a a decent schedule that will really prove whether or not they're all that. Yeah, I agree with you there. It's good. I was just looking at the Brown schedule and obviously every game is going to be exciting at this point, just to see what this offense can do and what this team can do. So I'm with you on that for the Jags. I don't think that there's any specific game that I'm like super excited for. Um, just looking at it, it's given we all knew like what the opponents were and who was going to be home and who was going to be away. We've done that for months, but like seeing it actually on paper and when it's going to happen, pretty exciting. Um, I guess if I had to say one, it would be week 17 at home against the Colts. Cause that's going to be the game that we knock the Colts out of the playoffs. And yeah, but, but the bad thing about that is it's going to be like, okay, if the Jags win, they'll knock the Colts out. But if they – or, yeah, they'll knock the Colts out, but they'll also make it so, like, the fucking Titans win the division or something, which would just be that much worse. Yeah. Titans. Um, yeah, that's, so, our, that's the Browns' week one game. It's their yeah, opener. I saw that. Um, speaking of week one, Austin, what's up, buddy? How, how, how are you? Uh, feeling pretty good. I was starting to realize that you were kind of neglecting – you know, the week one matchup and went straight to the end of the season because I can tell you're not ready for how the season's going to begin. So, no, uh, looking at it, I mean, they got the they got the Chiefs and then they're at the, the, the Texans and then they play Thursday night against the Titans. They can't beat the Titans. I mean, I could see the Jags starting 0-3, to be honest with you, and not looking forward to that. And but – that's the same thing. I still think I still think that they pull out at least one of those two division games. So I'm I'm not predicting that they start 0-3, but I'm just saying it's it's a real possibility. Those are all three very tough teams. Um, when Doug, you text us that when the spoiler came out that the Chiefs and Jags were playing, I was just like, no, <laughs> uh, it is not what I wanted to start the season with. I did not. What are you willing to lose? I love that. That was the first <laughs> text from Austin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't feel confident in that game, so I'm not going to be betting you on that game as of right now. Like I said in our text, talk to me in the middle of August when I'm like optimistic about this fucking team and all of a sudden thinking like, oh, I think we could win 10 games. Uh, you don't, you don't want to do the eyebrow thing? You're in training camp. Look at your yeah, exactly, right? You don't want to do the eyebrow thing like Mello wants you guys to do? <laughs> Man, Mello's got something for eyebrows. I'm never making a bet with him again if ever i don't know if i have yet but i'm probably not because i know he's going straight for the eyebrows first yeah. thing eyebrows what no absolutely so, um I'm, I'm super excited to just to see that game though i mean the good news is it's not gonna like have this like uncertainty and surprise that like chiefs did with the chargers last year week one right everybody was kind of blown away by like what happened week one with the with the chargers and chiefs game everybody knows what Mahomes does everybody knows what tyreek does everybody knows about kelsey 
I mean, actually, the more the unknown is what can Foles do with the Jaguars' offense, and what is what is the difference going to be with the Chiefs' defense with all the changes that they're making. So overall, I think it's gonna be a good game. I looked at the spread, and it's already at minus five for the Chiefs. So <laughs> great start for uh, five months in advance. <laughs> I'm sure that'll change after the draft for sure. And uh, kind of just heading into the Chiefs schedule here. You know, they play Jacksonville, the newly designed Oakland Raiders. We'll see where they are after the draft. I think that makes a, a huge drastic change in perception of their team heading into the season. Um, the Ravens, that'll be a tough game. You know, that was a close one last year. Um, almost went to that game. Uh, some stuff happened, so we weren't able to get in. Uh, if you know the story, you'll you'll maybe laugh at that one. Uh, mm. Then week four, we're playing Detroit. Riley's probably lucky he's not on with us right now because uh, we'd still be talking about it. I don't know if I ever would have not – I don't know if we would have been talking about anything else yet, uh, especially <laughs> after what he just faced in Madden. Then week five, they play the Colts. And week six, they play the Texans. And then they head into Denver, then Green Bay. I mean, the Chiefs have a pretty tough schedule this year. They're playing the NFC North, which, you know, every single team in that division – or at least three of the four, you know, besides what the Lions do and how they come out with Stratford and, you know, a new designed offense as well for them. Who knows what the Chiefs season is going to go? You know, if everyone stays healthy, it's going to be great. You know, if things go south quickly, uh, I mean, I'm not going to be talking much more. You know what I mean? So that's kind of where I'm at with the Chiefs schedule. They will play in Mexico this year against the Chargers. Hopefully Shakir has a, another concert, you know, a week before the game and they completely <laughs> forget to redo the field. So that'll be my hope and they'll actually get to play home. Uh, where are you guys kind of predicting your teams? You know, I know it's before the draft here, but what, you know, where do you see your team at now and where do you see them, you know, at the end of the year off of right now, their record? So last year for the Browns, I predicted they'd go eight and eight. Like I just wanted them to have a 500 season. They were literally a tie away from getting eight and eight, which still didn't feel that great, but. It felt better than, you know, not winning a game. So I think for me, for the Browns, a more, it's my high hope and realistic just at this point with how hyped I am, but I could see them going 10 and 6. Um, their schedule is really not the hardest schedule. I think a lot of people are under, underestimating their very first game against the Titans. I actually think that's going to be a really hard game for the Browns. I mean, it's going to be their first full game first season game of them meshing together and there's a lot of ifs and ands i do think they're going to win their division but i do see them going 10 and 6 who do you see uh being their toughest game and you know what games do you think are kind of close but they just don't you know they haven't quite learned how to win yet they're towards the end of games where do you think those losses are coming from um i personally i see them losing to the rams I see them losing their first game to the Ravens. They'll lose to the Patriots. And it's really hard. Like, I, I don't want to say they're going to lose to the Seahawks, but I think that's going to be a really damn hard game. And they might lose one of their games against the Steelers. Other than that, I mean, 11-5, 10-6, anywhere in there. 10-6, more realistic. The Titans game, though, I think is going to be their biggest thing. Last year, I think it might have just been um, 
I don't know if it was Freddie Kitchens. I don't know if it was Greg Williams, whether it was their decisions. But in the fourth quarter, if they had a big lead or if they even just had a little bit of a lead, they would tone it back. They would start playing to not lose instead of to win. And that always irritated the hell out of me. But then when they were down in huge deficits, like against the Texans, which they got their asses handed to them, um, they picked it up in the second quarter or the second half of the of the game. So I mostly the, the biggest issues with the Browns is being able to just keep a steady pace and keep really good just charisma going out onto the field and working their asses off and not letting letting back at all. So if they can stay pace, just keep hitting the or keep hitting it hard and really just playing with their hearts content, playing to win then every game's going to be a good game. But we'll see. They look good on paper, that's for sure. <laughs> they absolutely do. Uh, for the Jags, I think I said this a couple episodes ago, I still see them in probably not 8-8 eight and eight range. Uh, that could change after the draft. I could see them, if, they, if I like what they did, see another game or two of a win or loss, depending on what they do. Uh, but 8-8 eight and eight seems pretty pretty accurate for me it's it's a decent schedule um there's some tough games i mean going to atlanta playing the chargers at home obviously they always go to london so that's always a long travel but they've started given they lost to the eagles last year in a close game but they had won three previous years in a row so they're, they're kind of starting to get a hang of like having that as actual home field advantage um I've, uh, I've always said that the NFC South is kind of the hardest division, in my opinion, and that's who the Jags play this year. So they got early in the season, they played the Panthers and the Saints back-to-back weeks in weeks five and six. Um, I think that's going to be a tough thing to do. I think they're going to have to pull out one of those two wins to really uh, make sure that the season doesn't kind of just get, get a, the best of them early. Uh, I did notice again, thank you NFL for this. Uh, I think it's about nine years in a row that the Jags have not had a Sunday night game or a Monday night game. Last year, they were supposed to have a Sunday night game against the Steelers and they flexed it out. So, uh, the one time I was super excited about actually getting to watch my team on primetime, uh, get rid of it. And yes, I don't consider Thursday night primetime. So, uh, disappointing there. That's fair. Uh, That's fair. Yeah. Um, I, I want, I want to be going into Sunday knowing that my team plays later, not going into it like, ah, my team's already played. Uh, (laughs) but, uh, Austin, what about you, Mr. I think I have like four or five primetime games this year. Um, yeah, we actually have five primetime games. You know, it's not as many as what they had last year, which was seven. Um, I think they decided to give them that many after they realized they got screwed over in the Titans game when Mariota decided to do a miraculous play and throw a touchdown to himself. And then the referee realized he blew the game for them with a forward progress call on a damn sack. Uh, that does still doesn't make sense to me. Uh, so they got seven after that. But this year, we'll stay, We'll keep our focus here. You know, the past in the past. We got nothing but the future here with Mahomes. So we're excited about that. Uh, we do have five primetime games. And the Chiefs schedule is looking pretty tough. I know I already mentioned that they play the NFC North, which I feel like, is probably one of the tougher divisions in the NFL this year, just due to the fact that the Packers revamped everything. The Vikings, you know, were just a couple games away last year from really just kind of making that difference in the league. Uh, 
I think Cousins comes in and, you know, just starts lighting the world on fire. The receivers are set. Their defense is getting, you know, better. They were able to keep their core guys. And then with the Lions, you truly just don't know where they're going to be. But the Bears, they shocked a lot of people last year, and I think they only grow off of that. Their defense may take a step or two back, losing their defensive coordinator. But Chuck Pagano knows what he's doing. You know, he's been in that role before. So the Bears, Packers, and Vikings are kind of the teams that I worry about the most in that schedule. And I do see the Chiefs going 13-3 to or 12-4. and I think they might drop a game to the Chargers this year. I could see them losing to the Bears or the Packers. And then I think the Colts game in the first five weeks, week five actually, I think that's a game they might drop. The Colts are going to come in fired up looking for redemption. You know, they were able to do a lot this offseason as well. Justin Houston's for the Colts. I could see him coming in there and just tearing it up because the game is in Kansas City. And Justin Houston is going to be like, you know what? You guys gave up on me. I understand you need to move on, but I'm going to show you why, you know, I'm the guy you guys paid $100 million to. So for me, I see the Chiefs, you know, do having a successful season. I would love to see them atop the AFC and, you know, of course, number one team in the NFL. But it's hard to do that undefeated with the NFL because every game's tough and you just don't know what's going to happen. But uh, I would like to kind of transition this into week one here. We, we touched up on it a little bit, Therese, but I want to take a deeper dive into that with you. Where do you think that game goes? How do you think it starts? An offense against the defense, you don't have Blake Bortles throwing it off your offensive lineman's helmet unless Nick Foles just goes <laughs> haywire. But uh, I would kind of like to go through this game step-to-step step with you, if you don't mind. Oh, absolutely. Let's do it. Perfect. So I think that, honestly, I think that the game goes pretty similar to what was going on last year, except for the Jags are able to produce on offense a bit. They got into the red zone, I think, three times that game and came out, came out with zero points in the first half. And they, I know they were the first ones to pick off Mahomes or second one to pick off Mahomes. I can't remember. Um, so I think that the defense is – obviously those DBs are awesome. I think that they're going to still be able to slow down your guys' receivers. I think that the new offensive style and having Chris Conley in there that can kind of give some intel on what's going on in that offense is also going to help. So I think that I think the game's actually going to be pretty close. I, I, I think that it probably ends up a three to six point game, kind of like what Vegas says, negative five or minus five, I should say. Um, but I think in the end, the firepower of the Chiefs is going to be too much. They're going to make a play in the third quarter that might be able to just be a little too much. And then in the fourth quarter, they're going to be able to just like keep that lead. Um, I, I know that Ramsey is going to be excited to be garden Hill again. I know that those two were kind of going at it before the game last year. Um, and I, I felt like it was kind of a wash. I think that Ramsey did a great job of really slowing down Hill last year, but Hill did have that one deep play on him where it got him into field goal range. I think it was the second drive or third drive of the game, and that's actually when Chiefs got their first touchdown. And so, or no, second touchdown, sorry, because they scored on the first drive as well. But so I, I think overall it's going to be good, but I'm going to have to say the Chiefs win this game just because of firepower. And I just I don't know if the Jags – are going to be able to keep up with a team like the Chiefs that early in the season. So uh, what do you predict the losses for you guys? Uh, I think the score is going to be somewhere in that probably 28-21 
range. I think that you'll uh, you'll get you'll get your points. I think the Jags will be able to score and probably score late to make that a one score game. I think it'll probably be a comfortable two score game for most of the game. So uh, I'll agree that the Chiefs are going to win, of course, but I. I do have a feeling the Jaguars come out against the Chiefs' new defense. I think they're going to have a couple kinks. I think they may have a, a couple miscommunication errors just due to the fact that everything's new. You know, they've got a whole new defense. There's a whole new era for Kansas City's defense. I've said this multiple times before, but it's just one of those things where there's so much coming in. There's so much excitement, and they're ready to go. And it's in Jacksonville. I could see, you know, there being some mental mistakes there for the Chiefs' defense. And then with the offense, you know, you predicted the score, what, 28-21 right there is what you said? I think it's higher than that. I think I think both teams may put up some points. I think the Chiefs put up 35. I'll say that honestly. Uh, just due to the fact that today the Chiefs general manager, Brett Veach, had a press conference. And he said that he went and talked to Coach Reed the other day, and he walked in, and he's just so excited. And, you know, he's redoing the scheme, creating a new scheme and a new offense, which we've seen him do, you know, the past couple of years. He did it with Smith as well and in this past year. He just created a whole new couple of plays that were able to get Mahomes four or five touchdowns in the beginning. That little forward pitch play with the receiver coming to motion. So uh, when Brett Veach, let me get back to my point here. With Brett Veach walked in that room and he was asking Reed how he was doing, he said he was just super happy and excited and just giddy. And he had a whole stack of index cards. And he's like, these are my pat plays. These are my new pat plays. So this mm-hmm. dude's just sitting in an office on writing on you know, just note cards, just new plays and designs and everything just for Mahomes. That right there was just like, all right, let's freaking go. Just got me pumped up, even more excited for the season. We haven't even had the draft yet. That's next week. We do need to touch up on that as well here in a little bit. But for this first game, I do see the Chiefs coming out winning, you know, 35-38, 21-27. I could see it being in that range right there. I need to just pick a, a score. So I'll go ahead and say 38 24. I'll, I'll make that my final score prediction. I'll even write it down here so we don't forget it. And Therese, I see you have something you want to say back, so let's hear let's hear it. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Mahomes is awesome. Chiefs are awesome. I get what you're saying. Jaguars will not give up 38 points. You really think that the Chiefs can't put up 38 against the Jaguars with Andy Reid's new pat plays, with this whole stack of pat plays? I think that the Jaguars' defense is going to come out with something to prove after last year, everybody thinks that they're gone, even though their defense was still elite last year. And I think that they find a way to slow down Patrick Mahomes enough. Again, I still think the Chiefs win, but I do not think that they give up 38 points. I'm going to have to back Trees up on this just because that defense is so damn dominant. I don't think they'll get in the 30s. I just don't. You, so you don't think they get in the 30s at all? Mm-hmm. Ooh, they, boy. they, they averaged about 30 points a game last year. Yeah, they, that's they, why I'm so confident with 38. Yeah, <sighs> yeah they, had, they had Blake Bortles that gave them 14 <laughs> points. <laughs> that's still that's still 30 points. Yeah, it doesn't have to all come <laughs> from the offense. Just, they don't have they don't have Blake Bortles to help them out this year. They have exactly Nick Foles, Nick Foles who can win a Super Bowl, something Patrick Mahomes can't do. Yeah, but what Nick Foles are you going to get? Oh, whoa. Say that again. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. Say that again. I think I missed it. I was too excited for my comeback. What what was that? I'm not saying that again. Uh, Wow. All right. Okay. Uh, Oh, man. Okay. I can't wait to go back and listen to that one. Uh, What Nick Foles do you think you're going to get, though? The one that can throw seven touchdowns or the one that's going to throw five interceptions? I think you're going to get both. 
it depends on the week. But um, <laughs> I think uh, I think that Nick Foles is going to come out. I think I think early in the year he's going to come out and do what we want him to do, what we paid him to do. I think he'll play it safe. I think he's going to make some big big time throws, and. I'm I'm excited to see what he does. He actually had a press conference the other day, and they kind of put him on a sp- the spot of what would you rather have a right tackle or a tight end, and he went on a tangent about how important a tight end is in the NFL. Actually, gave so much credit to Travis Kelsey, saying that he was the best tight end that he's played with, um, probably because he hasn't played with George Kittle. But so, but then he ended up, but then he ended up coming back and saying <laughs> that he does he does believe that. Uh, having the key of an offensive line that's steady is like the most important thing. So I'm interested to see what they uh, end up doing. I'm well, as long as he learns how to, uh, you're something else, Trees. You know that you are something else, man. I really am. I, 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 I'm I'm very handsome. I'm very knowledgeable about the tight end position, <laughs> and I'm I'm sometimes funny, sometimes not. I'm so grateful that, like, the Browns aren't playing any of your teams other than Riley's Lions in the preseason. So. Yeah, I mean, that's boring. Now you don't get to, like, have this back and forth, like, what we get to do. <laughs> no, I just get to sit back and watch. It's great for me. You know, what's yeah. that What's that, talk, that banner going to be like, oh, my backups are better than your backups? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. uh, Riley. Riley will be pumped because like Stafford will probably be playing into like the third quarter of preseason week one and yeah. just be like, see, we're going to the Super Bowl, right, Riley? <laughs> see all those throws you made. Hey, you know what? It's funny because as I go back and listen to all the podcast episodes, I'm like, shit, I really do mention Matthew Stafford a lot, and <laughs> I Google his name like every day, like what's going on, like as if there's something new, and it's just stuff about, you know, his wife and everything that she just went through and stuff, but. Yeah, man, this is the time of year when it's like you're convincing yourself that this is it. This is the year, man. He's Everything's lining up for us. Um, I hope that the Jags, Browns, and Chiefs are, are ready for what the Lions are about to do this year. Stafford for MVP. Let's go. <laughs> All right. That's a hot take right here. Matt Stafford, MVP. <laughs> uh, bow, bow, bow. Hey, a couple but, question marks. <laughs> but, but, but honestly, like, um, it is kind of like – sobering to like realize like he how bad his year was last year especially with russell wilson's new deal and everything that um you know is going on with that but you guys do remember like in 20s well i think it was 2016 he really was up there in talks for mvp was having a really good year it was a year when they had all the fourth quarter comebacks and then i realized yeah that was all exciting but that also meant that they were that close to losing all those games and they weren't able to build on it um did you guys see one of the things that i don't like about the lions fan base is they just continually target eric ebron um i guess he was featured in the colts schedule release thing and some lions or detroit lions fan account tweeted thanks for dropping this in all caps they put the word drop and uh, <laughs> ebron fired back i don't know if you guys saw that but uh, it's just this this ongoing beef between the two of them and it yeah, it's off. time to move on from that, right? Like, I mean, like, I, I feel like a lot of fan bases have that where they like just hold on to the, these things where it's just like, come on, guys, move on. Like, Hugh, but, Jackson. Hugh Jackson, yeah, like the oh my god, if I have to hear about a Hugh Jackson story one more goddamn time from the Browns fan, <laughs> I'm gonna lose it. 
We get it. He sucks. You fired him. He's gone. Let's That's right. On. It's let's move on. We got pretty kitchens. So as, as I as I just realized that I was making fun of Blake Bortles earlier today. <laughs> yeah. Hey, God damn. Fresh, move on. That's yeah. still fresh though. It's like a new cut. You still just you got the scab right there. Yeah. You're good, dude. But hey, Riley, what what's, what's a schedule prediction for you for your good old Lions? Um. Well, I'm hoping to go to that first game against Arizona. I think that they can win that game, but then they've got the Eagles. You know, they got the Chargers week two. They've got the Eagles mixed in there. Um, it's a really tough start to the year. The last like four years, I want to say the Lions opened at home, and uh, I think I know that they had requested that from the league because they have that whole Thanksgiving game that for a while the NFL was having them. Uh, do like three of the first four at home because then they would just stay home that week and get two games. They changed that this year, so they play at Washington on Sunday, and then they play the Bears again on Thanksgiving, which I like that it's a division game, but it makes it extra brutal when they lose. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. They end with the Packers as well. I think that's the fourth straight year. So I don't know. I, I mean – I think it's it's a tough schedule. I honestly don't know what to expect at the Lions. The year Calvin retired, I was like, I don't know how good this team's going to be. And then they, they went to the playoffs, and I was like, dude, football's not that hard. You just have to, like, throw to guys underneath and that are wide open, and everything's going to be fine. And then – Yeah, just score touchdowns. Score more points than the other guys. That's how you win, right? Yeah. And then – yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, You're in it. that's a classic Trent Dilfer thing. If you win or if you score yeah. more points than the opponent, you're you will going win. to win ball games. Like that's shut, right. Shut up, Trent Dilfer. Don't uh, don't let them score more than you. That's how you win. That's how you keep yourself exactly. from losing. It's I it's do a love... tough start. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, it is for sure. I agree with you there, right? Uh, the one thing I do love about the NFL though is how they make sure that you end off of division games. I think that's awesome. I think that it really kind of like amplifies a lot of things because not a lot of not a lot of divisions are like kind of secured before then. Obviously, there's always the case where they are, but it it just improves the odds of like a, kind of like a play-in game, which I think is awesome. Yeah, um, you know this is actually pretty relevant to what we're talking about right now, um, but on Twitter at Matt Pamara. Uh, he had a question for us. He asked, who do you think has the easiest schedule going into next season? I haven't had a chance to look at every single team's schedule at this point, to be honest. I mean, the schedules have been out for less than 24 hours at this point, and I've really focused on kind of our teams for the podcast at this point. But um, So it's hard for me to say easiest schedule, least easiest schedule, but Austin did a good job of talking about the Patriots and how easy their schedule is. And I actually have seen that on Twitter as well. A lot of teams saying that they thought that they got a, got a good draw. Yeah. And according to, uh, was a sporting news.com. I mean, based off of last year's win percentage, the Patriots have the 31st so they're second to last when it comes to the hardest they're, they have the second easiest schedule before the redskins if they're basing it off of how the teams did last year i will say though when it comes to the hardest schedules and i think that it's really interesting but if you guys look to the oakland raiders wins or the oakland raiders schedule as well as their travel schedule i think the raiders are going to have it the hardest because they're going to have eight weeks 
in between home games. I actually saw that the Chargers had six weeks between home games, and I saw that the Jets had the least amount of travel, and I actually do kind of buy into the travel thing for for oh, yeah. football games. I, oh, absolutely. Baseball and what, what other sports, like I don't as much, but football I really do put that. So I would say, hey, if you want a different team that I think the Jets have an easier schedule, I'll go with them just because of the travel time. And the travel is awful for the West Coast games because – if you're on the West Coast and you go all the way to the East Coast and you play a game at noon, you know, let's say the Rams are playing the Giants. I mean, you play a game at noon in New York, that's practically that's 8, 9 7 a.m. That's yeah. nine. Yeah, that's 9 a.m. in L.A. time. Is Dude, it 3 or 4? It's three-hour difference um, from West Coast to East Coast. I thought it was 4. It's 3. You can look it up, though. Really? I mean, to prove that you're wrong, you can look it up, because I know I'm right. <laughs> oh, I didn't plan on this part being aired, but fuck me, okay. Uh, <laughs> no, is it I, really um, three? I thought it was four. It, no, it's, it's two, because East Coast is two hours ahead of us in Utah, and we are one hour ahead of West Coast. So two plus one equals Austin? Four. I'm just kidding. <laughs> four. <laughs> 21. <laughs> 21, you stupid. Uh, no, I, um, I a hundred percent agree though, when it comes to travel, because that's so much wear and tear on a team. Like you barely get to be home. You have no time to really like recover from the last game because you're going to be traveling. I also am a huge believer in proper recovery for athletes and having to ride on an airplane for hours, going to a game, going from a game repeatedly, that shit sucks. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, boys, let's talk about the draft here. In one week from right at this moment, Mr. Roger Goodell will be going out onto the stage to announce who the Arizona Cardinals are taking at number one. Getting super excited for the draft. We're getting down to the nitty gritty. We're really going to start finding out what are smoke screens and what are not over the course of the next week. What are you guys hearing in the draft? You know, I think we talked about this, what was this, two episodes ago? Maybe. Uh, but, like, Daniel Jeremiah saying he's 90% certain at this time of the year, like in January or whatever it was, that – maybe not January, but he was 90% sure that Kyler Murray was going to get drafted number one overall. And then, like, a week ago he tweeted out, I'm 60% sure that he's going to go number one overall. I think that right now there's a lot of – things that are happening whether it's kyler murray trades with any other teams not just the cardinals but just trades in general that there's gonna be a lot of a lot of shit stirring essentially that's gonna happen the day before and within the week we're gonna see some trades and i could see potentially the the jets not being in the top three because they've even voiced their opinion they're willing to trade out of it that's not that important to them so it's like, okay, so what team's going to go for that? But I could see one of the three teams, more than likely the Jets, not being in the top three. Yeah, I completely agree. And a crazy thing that I heard, too, was the possibility of Daniel Jones going six to the Giants. And when I heard that, I was just, why, why would you take him at six 
why would you not just stay back in the teens? And if you have to trade up into the early teens, get him there. If that's if you truly believe that's your guy, because I mean, you get a guy at six that you know, kind of like what Teresa was saying earlier with whoever you get at seven, just get a guy that's going to plug and play. Get him in there. He'll make a difference on your team and at least give some hope to your organization and to your fan base. Because right now, you're sitting there looking at the Giants as, what are we doing right now? So if you take Daniel Jones at six, ugh, that doesn't help that thought press or that fan base at all with it or the future of it. And then another thing, like you said with the Jets, I think they trade back just due to the reason of they're not sure what to do at three. Let's say a team goes up and trades trades with the 49ers and they get the second pick and they take a quarterback. I think that's a silly decision as well. But when that happens, then boom, Bosa lands right in your lap. I mean, you can't move out of that. Like that guy, that's the top-rated player in the league. And either that or you're stuck with Bosa or Williams. Let's just get out of here, get some more picks, and let some other people decide You know how the rest of this draft's going to go. All right, Therese, I have a quick question for you. Yep. If at all possible, whether the, the Jags traded up, anything like that, how would you feel if the Jags somehow acquired Nick Bosa? I would be so excited if that was possible. Um, I Jags just, they don't trade up. They just don't really do it, so I don't see it happening. But if that possibility was there, I would be so happy and so excited. Honestly, I would give up, I would give up pick seven, pick 38 or 39, whichever they have, and one of their third-round picks to move up to three for both. So so I know I, I texted you guys this over, um, but it was that visits, that visits Google Doc, whatever team has brought in wide receivers, the numbers of them, who they brought in. Nick Bosa has been to the Jags. He visited them. And I'm not – I mean – not everybody that visits means that they're going to get drafted there. It's teams doing their due diligence. It's teams just, you know, that they might just get to have that player in their facilities that one time just to evaluate them, maybe learn tricks about them, to stop them from having a great rookie year. Who knows? But Nick, Pose, Nick Bosa did visit. I mean, so did Montez Sweat. But, hey, that'd be I, cool, dude. It would be cool. I, I, so the, the whole visit thing is very strange to me. Like, a lot of times you want to try to read into that, and then other times you don't. Example, last year, uh, Taven Bryan didn't show up um, for a visit until, like, it was, like, a week before the draft. And he came in for, like, just, like, a couple hours and left, and literally nobody besides, like, the Jaguars organization even knew he came in. So, like, when the draft happened, everybody's like, wait, he wasn't even on the list. Like, why did they choose him? Like, nobody even knows anything about this guy. They haven't even talked to him, given he did end up coming in, but it was, like, the latest possible time you could. So, I'm with you. I'm, it would be awesome. It'd be cool, but not going to happen. One team that I think that a lot of teams are not talking about trading up that I do believe are going to trade up for a defensive lineman, specifically Ed Oliver, is the Atlanta Falcons. Ooh, honestly, if you went to the Falcons, that'd be pretty badass for them. Yeah, I could see um, Lion the Lions. I know Riley's brought this up a few times about how they've been looking to trade back. I would, I wouldn't even mind the Jags trading back to fourteen to collect some more picks, actually. But um, Ed Oliver in that seven, eight, nine range. The Bills at nine uh, could be moving back. They addressed all their offensive line. 
needs. Is there something at that they can get at nine that they can't get at 14? What do you guys think? I think that would probably be smart for the Bills just because, you know, they, they were able to sure up their offensive line this offseason. So, you know, maybe you trade back, you get some extra picks, and then you can look for a guy, you know, maybe another one of those defensive linemen falls. Maybe you get an offensive lineman, you know, at a better at a better range for you that you're more comfortable with than taking a guy in the top ten, and you're kind of like, ah, I hope he pans out, maybe he doesn't. And, I mean, it just it opens up your, you know, your options where maybe you trade back again. You know, you, let's say you trade back from – you said 9 to 14? Is that what you said? Yeah, that's what I said. So let's say you do that, and let's say you could trade back again with the Chiefs, get even more picks, and then the Chiefs can come back up or can come up, you know, and get that cornerback or that defensive lineman that they're looking for that they're not wanting to wait any longer because, you know, Brett V said it again in his press conference, when you're picking that late in the draft, you get kind of antsy and you get kind of bored. And, you know, he's known as an aggressive general manager, so I could see him just being like, you know what? Let's go get our guy. Let's make a move. We have extra picks. Let's just let's go get him now and, you know, let's celebrate and have a good night and look forward to tomorrow. So I could see that happening and how it just kind of a team will trade back. Like, okay, we have extra picks. Let's trade back again. And then the guy you are ultimately kind of looking for, you get, you know, at a better range and in a better spot in the first round. I like it. Yeah, I think, too, trading back, it's also security, too, for a GM where it's like, all right, I'm not making a top 10 pick. I might accumulate some more picks. Um, there's not anybody that we're like dire need of that we wouldn't be able to get five picks later. Um, and then also you're not worried about, is this top 10 pick going to be a bust? Could save you room with cap too, with how much you have to spend on them. Not a crazy amount, but still helps. Um, being fiscally responsible is a very great thing. Better take note of that, listeners. So question for you guys on this. I'm just going to throw out all these hypotheticals here. So obviously we all believe that Kyler Murray is going number one, and we all believe that the Cardinals need offensive weapons. What are your guys' thoughts of the Cardinals finding a way to move back up into the first round and go after um, Hollywood Brown? The chances of that happening – in my opinion, are very unlikely. I could see it. I mean, they have the first pick in the second round. Uh, you can still maneuver with that a little bit, especially for teams that aren't crazy needy, like the Colts maybe, because they're not a really needy team. Um, but I could see them being able to grab Nikhil Harry or Hakeem Butler in that very beginning of the second round. But, I mean, if they want, say, A.J. Brown or Hollywood, like, they might have to move back into the first round to be able to get somebody like that. So I do like the idea. I don't know if it happened. But, I mean, I don't know. Arizona, man, they're they're wanting to win. Like, that Cliff's, Cliff's job is essentially, like, I'm not going to say on the line, but they only let Steve Wilkes there for a year. How long did they let Cliff, after he got fired from Texas Tech, I mean, he should have a tenure of two years, in my opinion. That's how any coach should be given. So I'm not saying his job's on the line. But they're, they want to win. Every team wants to win. So they're going to be willing to do whatever they can. Yeah, I like it. And I, I agree with what Doug said. You know, I'd rather kind of sit back in that early part of the second round and, you know, get a Nikhil Harry or maybe even a Debo Samuel. You know, I mean, those guys are all still going to be there. And I think trading into the first round for, for Hollywood, I – like I see the athletic ability, you know, I see the playmaking ability, you know, it definitely showcased in Oklahoma with Murray, but I don't know if that's something that transitioned into the NFL too well for him just because, you know, he has faced injuries in the past. He is a small guy. I just, I could see him getting hurt. So I would rather not trade up just to get a guy that's, 
unreliable in that sense, especially if you're having to trade up and lose picks. I'd rather stay where you're at early in the second. You could get a bigger wide receiver. You know, you can get a guy that's more durable and kind of look for that next Larry Fitzgerald because you still have Christian Kirk, and he's, you know, a smaller, faster guy. So you don't necessarily want two of them because you'd like at least one guy that Murray has, you know, a 50-50 ball with down the field once Fitzgerald decides to move on. That's, that's true. I mean, they could even get – I don't see him dropping, but like a Kelvin Harmon, for instance, he could be there at the beginning of the third round. He could. I'm not saying you will because he's really good. Um, so he could be there in the third round. That's why, I mean, that goes back to earlier. This this draft has a ton of depth at wide receiver. Maybe not a ton of depth with wide receiver number ones, but really good slot guys, really good wide receiver number twos. More people to take the attention away from, say, a star player or a quick player like a Kirk or Fitzgerald being Fitzgerald. I mean, come on, it's Fitzgerald. Yeah, totally. I, I, I know I'm the one that asked the question, but I, I personally don't see it happening either. But what my thought process was is you're spending all this, obviously the number one pick on Murray, but now you're not going to give him the weapon that he knows and the one that he wants. Just a thought. Just a thought. All right, Austin, I got a question for you here. So we all kind of see all these mock drafts. We know who everybody's being talked about. We kind of have that consensus of, like, who the top ten are for the most part. Obviously, there's always a random guy here and there. But we know who always is predicted to go in the top ten. Which one of these players do you think all of us, fans, media people, whatever, are higher on than – maybe an actual NFL team is, and they may drop. Because every year we see at least one or two guys kind of fall into the late teens, and we're like, whoa, why did he fall like out of the top 10? And it's just because they didn't value him as much as us fans did. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like you said, it does happen every year. And there's also that guy that, you know, does sneak his way into the first round that, you know, no one really saw, or a guy that does sneak his way into the top 10, you know, that a lot of people didn't see. And we saw that last year with the Raiders taking an offensive tackle. And then, you know, of course, with the Seahawks taking Rashad Penny, you're just kind of like, why why are you doing that right now? That's not a good value. But at the same time, who who are we to kind of decide who sh- who has that value when other teams are thinking it? But for me, I think a guy that can find his way into the top 10 that the media's just gotten quiet about is Ed Oliver. I know that's something we've talked about a lot. Um, he's just a guy, you know, he showcased in college. He had reasons this last offseason that was just kind of – kind of issues with his coach you know what I mean you're fighting over a coat in the winter so that it made it seem like you know he's got a bad a bad rap you know doesn't have a good relationship with his coach but in fact he, you know he has everything going on for him yeah Oliver I agree with you we've we've been talking about him for a bit I think he goes into the top 10 easily I think the Jags picking at seven is a real possibility or I think that somebody really does try to trade up in that eight nine ten range probably not 10 because the broncos really want a quarterback but eight or eight or nine uh trading up to get him he's too talented of a player to not be in the top 10 uh so now to answer your question on which top 10 guy that i see kind of falling out of the first round that a lot of nfl nfl teams maybe aren't as high on as you know what the media is um i want to say a Dwayne haskins you know i think that's something that's been projected to to the uh, to the Giants, you know, since kind of beginning, uh, since the Senior Bowl, honestly, uh, him or Jawan Taylor, I think both of those guys, you know, they're great fits. But you know, Trees, like you said, teams are going to be making their way to move up in the draft and you know get their guy. 
But I can see people doing that for, you know, these edge players. They're going to want a guy that's going to come in, help make a difference. They're looking for edge rush. They want that pass rush. Or maybe that's just that last spot on their defense that they need to fill. So I could see a Dwayne Haskins falling all the way. Maybe he does make it in the top 10, but I would see it being at 10 to the Broncos. And then, you know, kind of like I've done in my own mock draft, I see Drew Locke falling perfectly right into the laps of the Bengals. I think that's a good fit for him there. They do have some, you know, they have A.J. Green. They have John Ross if he can stay healthy. So right there you have your big guy and then you have your speedster and you get a quarterback in there with a true big arm and a guy that has experience in the SEC. And the only thing he really needs to work on is his decision-making, like you said last episode, Trace, on just, you know, making the right reads and the progressions and then getting his footwork down for accuracy. And once he gets that down, I can see him being a deadly quarterback if he's in the right position. And I've, you know, been known and I've said here on this podcast myself that I don't see it. But if he ends up in the right situation and things work out for him, he can be a guy that, you know, makes a difference for an NFL team in the future, whether that is at pick 11 or if he does make it at 10 to the Broncos. And really, I just don't want to see him in Denver and I don't want to see him be see him be successful there because I would like to see the Chiefs just easily rule that division like the Patriots have in the AFC East. But, of course, we're probably not going to see that. A few other guys that uh, I've been kind of just looking at the last few days that have actually started, like, falling in drafts that I've been interested in is all of a sudden people are falling off of the DK Metcalf train. Um, Greedy Williams is always, like, lower now that I don't understand. And nobody's talking about a player like Noah Fant. I've noticed that as well, especially about Fant. And, and, you know, just like you said with Greedy Williams, but I think these are going to be the guys, you know, that question you just asked me that the media is falling on or the media is too high on and NFL teams aren't. I think Greedy Williams has still, you know, proven to be one of the best corners in this draft, especially in the first round. I think people are just kind of getting tired of, <laughs> tired of hearing their names, you know what I mean? So they're picking other players to talk about. And a lot of teams might just be putting up smoke screens like, hey, let's stop talking about him. We want him here. Let's hope he falls. Let's kind of get some – you know, some rumors out about some of these other guys in the class and let's get them, you know, talked up and maybe a team will buy it on and be like, you know what, let's go here instead of there. And then he falls to us. Um, I heard today that uh, a couple draft experts were doing, were doing a mock and it had the Chiefs getting Greedy Williams at 29, uh, Chauncey Gardner out of Florida. They were getting him in the second round and then O'Shane Zimenez. And I was looking at that and I was like, dude, sign me up for that. So another question I have for you guys, now that we're a week away from the draft, let's talk about the first two rounds. How many running backs and how many receivers do you guys see going in rounds one and two combined? Um, round one, uh, I'll, I'll just do combined. I'll just do combined. Eight receivers going combined. Running backs, five. So running backs for me, I'll say uh, two to three. I don't really see who else outside of, you know, Josh Jacobs going in the first round. Montgomery is a second rounder. And then maybe Sanders sneaks into the second round if a team is wanting to move up or if he's available. I see that happening. With wide receivers, I could see uh, two in the first round. That's going to be between A.J. Brown and Metcalf. Maybe Marquise. I'll say six wide receivers and three running backs. I'll be comfortable with that. 
That is exactly what I have, actually, Austin. We're the same. So I, I see three wide receivers in the first round. I see both Ole Miss receivers, and I see Marquise Brown going in the first round. And then you got guys like you got guys like Harry, you got Debo, you got Butler, and I'm forgetting one other guy. Oh, probably like Paris Campbell or somebody like that sneaking into the end of the second. And then running backs, I'm thinking the same thing. Uh, I think I would go with two if you uh, had a gun to my head. I would say Montgomery and Jacobs. And then, and maybe that's me wishful thinking that Sanders just falls to round three for the Jags. You guys yeah. already have a running back. You need two of them? Yeah, we need two because ours doesn't – he's missed more games than he's played. Ooh. Maybe you get a quarterback and that changes. So same with your yeah. defensive attitude with Ramsey. Oh, well, you, I don't even know what that means. Your whole defense was pissed off last year because they realized Blake Bortle freaking sucks and we're not <laughs> going anywhere with him. So they're like, fuck this. I don't even want to play. And, of course, they still played, but they didn't give a shit. And so right now that they have a quarterback, I think that revamps their attitude and the, the atmosphere in that locker room because I mean, they got a quarterback that can throw it more than 45 yards down the field and hit the damn receiver. Yeah, well, if them not giving a shit and still are the number five overall defense, I'll take that. Hey, just go go deal with a fucking seam route. Go, go learn how to stop it and stop bothering me. <laughs> it was a slant. Okay, but fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, fuck off. Um, <laughs> anyways, the reason I brought that up was just because I'm always intrigued on, like, just because this game is so offensive heavy nowadays, obviously with fantasy and just the NFL wanting high-scoring games that obviously running back and receivers score the most. So it's always fun to me to see, like, how many are actually going that early in the draft. And if we're saying maybe 10 combined between the two positions in the first two rounds, that's not very many But when you're talking about 64, posi- uh, 64 picks. Yeah, I think I got a little overzealous with uh, the five running backs. So maybe three or four, but <laughs> I'm sticking I'm sticking to the receivers thing, though. That's just me. But the running backs, I got way too over, overextended myself on that one. <laughs> But, you know, that just goes to show how deep this defensive class is, especially along the defensive line. I mean, there are so many guys, maybe not so many, but, I mean, there's still plenty of guys in the second round that, you know, could make an impact on an NFL team the first year. And that's not something you really see coming out of the second round too much for defensive linemen just because there's not that many that can be that impactful. But we have three or four in the top ten. And then, you know, after that, it just keeps going, you know, this guy's really not as bad. If it wasn't for him, him or him, he would probably be a little higher in the draft class. No, absolutely. Perfectly said, actually. Oh, boys. Adam Schefter just tweeted out a picture of all the draft hats and God damn it. They're ugly. (laughs) Just to talk about that again. Um, (laughs) They're so freaking gross, dude. No, Speaking Speaking of draft hats, I'm glad you brought that up because. The one on the Chiefs logo, which we've all agreed is just outright freaking hideous. Um, it was on the table for the uh, Brett Beach's press conference, and uh, the one of the reporters went up, flipped the hat over, and it's on sale for $38. I'm not buying that hat, and I don't know who else is going to. If I see anyone buy that, like wear that hat, and I, I will go up and ask them and be like, did you buy this hat? And if they say yes, I'm going to laugh right in their face. 
I'm going to take a picture with them, and I'm just going to fucking blast them on social media because that hat is hideous. And I saw that logo on a freaking cover to a a tunnel cover on the street in our parking lot here. Oh, that's the logo on it. And I was just like, Ugh, like, Ugh. That's, that's the hat cover. Our bet actually should be the loser has to support our teams by buying those shitty hats at full price. That should be our bet. <laughs> I think that's a good bet. <laughs> I like that bet. That's a super sad bet. Not gonna lie. I say, I say, whoever out of our podcast, out of us four, whoever's team has the worst record at the end of the year has to buy their team's hat. Ooh, sorry, Riley. Yeah, Riley, do you want to just make the purchase <laughs> now, or when do you want to do that? I mean. Let let's see the Browns get the wins first. I'm not saying that they're not going to, but are we are we crowning these guys already? You want to crown them? Then crown they. Are. <laughs> the Browns are who they. The Browns are who we thought they were. Um, no, listen. I do feel like the Lions are the worst of our four teams. Absolutely. And I, you know what, Austin? Hold on a second, though. No, no I'm the just Lions kidding. are the I, new <laughs> fucking Browns, bro. No, no, the Giants are the new Browns. I think that's a tough race. <laughs> that's a tough race <laughs> yeah i think <laughs> i i don't want to wear that fucking hat are you kidding me better hope they win some damn games all right <laughs> all right, <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. okay boys let, i want to hear i want to hear a bold prediction here um i don't care what it is on the draft tell me something exciting that you think is going to happen in round one um come a week from tonight Browns no. straight up into the top 10. Top 10. Hot damn. What would they have to give up for that? I bet Duke Johnson would be in the package. Even though they've talked about Duke Johnson, like how they're going to use Duke Johnson, Duke Johnson would be in the package. They might include one of their their other third rounder, maybe one of their fifth rounders. Like they would, they would include quite a bit. Are you, wait, I'm sorry. Are you? Have you been sniffing glue again? Are you yeah. telling me you think that Duke, Duke Johnson, a third rounder and a rounder, is worth a top ten pick? Maybe top fifteen. I think I no. Like you think it's worth You're a first get... rounder? <laughs> yeah, you ain't getting in a first round with that combination. There You're might not... be more players. There might even be next year's first round. Straight up, you're not even getting a second rounder for Duke Johnson, a third rounder and a fifth rounder. That's true. Hey. Somehow. Yeah, uh, I was going to do bow, 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 but that does not deserve <laughs> yeah. it at all. Hey, so I, I Austin, love that sound effect, by the way, Austin. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, everybody, that's coming out of Austin's mouth. So, yeah, that's not, a, that's not a soundboard. That's that's yeah. all natural. You know, I got not the, a computer malfunction. You no, know, I got the voice of an angel. You know, I've been told I'm a mix between uh, Jesus and Fergie. So, uh, <laughs> kind of a big deal. Are you kidding <laughs> me right now? Yeah. All right, so this is what we're going to do. Doug? I'm going to come back to you so you can redeem yourself off of that. <laughs> Austin, right. Austin, what do you think is something exciting that's going to happen in the top uh, first round a week from uh, today? I think a team is going to get cute and trade up into the top 10 to get a Haskins or a lock, and I just don't think it's worth it. Um, I also see the Cardinals not trading Rosen until after their pick of Murray. I think that's where you're going to see, you know, the Redskins, the Chargers, the Giants, maybe the Patriots make that trade and they give up maybe their first round just because they're like, hey, let's get our guy now. We can get 
you know, we'll give up a first round for it. We have other picks, but right now we have a quarterback. He was a first rounder last year, a top 10 quarterback last year. And we do see him being the guy that can lead our franchise because the Cardinals are just deciding to take a 5'10 quarterback. Hope that they're hoping it's going to be the next Russell Wilson. We'll see there, but I can see, you know, Rosen not being traded until after that first pick of Murray. And if the Cardinals don't go Murray, holy shit, I cannot wait to see how the rest of that draft turns out. That is my dream. I don't want him going number one because I want to see the chaos. I mean, that'll um, affect more than the first round. Like, that will affect the entire draft just exactly. due to the fact of where does Murray go? I mean, does he go in the second? Does he go in the third? Because what other teams are going to want? You know what? I say that, but it'll probably be it'll probably be the Bengals or, you know, the Broncos. They're like, shit, Murray's still on the board. Let's go get him. And they just give up everything to the 49ers or to the Jets. Yeah, also very likely. Uh, Riley, you got anything that you think uh, would be uh, exciting for the first round? I think, yeah, I think that uh, I did see that report today with Dwayne Haskins and the Giants. I've always kind of wondered, are they just going to come back around to just saying, let's just take this guy right here. Uh, But I did see the report that they like Daniel Jones more. And then outside of that, and something I'll be really happy if it does happen, is the Lions taking Hawkinson at eight. I would easily agree that there's more of a need on a defensive side of the ball, but I do think that TJ Hawkinson, just based on everything I've read about him, heard about him, highlights I've watched, I think if if they do get him, I'll be ecstatic. Awesome. All right, Doug, we're going to give you another shot at this. Please give me an a better uh, <laughs> round one uh, exciting thing that you hope that happens. Well, I was going to actually talk about Murray, just utter chaos. I do think that the Browns trade back into the top 15 because Dorsey's talked about doing it. For me, I was going to say, you know, the whole Murray chaos, because that would be entertaining. We talked about it last week being an entire draft day scenario. Um, people trading around. I do see the Browns trading back into the top 15. What it would take, I'm not sure. John Dorsey's a pretty bold guy. We're going to have a top 30 pick next year, so maybe a first-rounder next year. I don't know. Um, (laughs) Austin's shaking his head at that. So, I don't know. But Murray would be insanely entertaining if he doesn't go number one and teams start not to panic, but it's like, well, shit, how do we trade? What do we need to do to get this guy? What do we got to do to get this guy? And then Haskins falls out, and then everybody's like, well, what's happening with the quarterbacks? And people are reaching for people they shouldn't be reaching for. Um, I'm excited for the chaos because I do think that this year there will be chaos in this draft. So if the Giants pass on Dwayne Haskins, how far does he fall? Not Not past 11. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so not very far. Um, for me, it's not super exciting, but uh, mainly because I want to hear Austin's little uh, sound effects. How about this? <laughs> Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is the first DB taken in the draft. Bow, bow, bow! Wow, I've not yeah. heard that anywhere else. But ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here on Talking Football from – the glue-sniffing, crazy-ass, motherfucking Justin Trees. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Why? 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 Because I think 
Because I think that teams are going to love his versatility. They can play him at corner. They can play him in the slot. They can play him at safety. Everybody loves the fucking Honey Badger. Why not get the next one? I'm not arguing with you. I think that's actually really good. I do not like it only because I really want the Browns to get him at 49. On the off chance he falls that low. But the first DB? Okay. All right. I mean, I think it was like uh, it was during our podcast where we did the mock draft. I said that he was going to go to the Seattle at twenty-one. I, I mean, I'm just upping it now. Let's just say first DB. So maybe even like wow. around, I don't know, sixteen to the Panthers. I don't know. Over greedy. You think he goes over greedy? All right, real hey, quick. I'm, I'm saying, let's think of something that would be fun and exciting that you could see the a possibility of happening. I'm going to go with it. Would I do it? No, I would not. But I'm going to say that teams are going to value his versatility. Wait, wait a second here, because, Doug, you remember when you were doing all this film breakdown on Creedy Williams and you were like, I just am not at all convinced that he's really that good. I know we've mentioned him on a couple of episodes, but where are you at with him right now? So my opinion of Greedy is not as high as everybody else's by any means. I do think he's one of the top corners for sure. Like, I can't knock that from him. I feel like last year he took his uh, his uh, his energy a little off the table and didn't play as hard as he did the year before. Yes. He was getting ready for the draft. Um, so somebody on Twitter was talking about, like, he's just physically so small and that he's a guy that, yeah, he'll have some good games, but when it comes time where he's going to be getting that first contract, he's going to hold out and sit out and stuff because he's just wanting to make sure he doesn't get hurt so that he gets the contract. And that's how it, his last season made me feel. Um, I, I He's he's good. I mean, he has the perfect name for a D-back, first of all. I mean, that's been established since he's been um, in college. But I... I've never been like a huge greedy Williams guy. I I have a lot of corner, not a lot of corners, but I have three corners above him. Um, I would rather see Rocky Sin be successful and show up at another team before him. But I'm just not a huge. I'm not sold on greedy. I'm not a greedy guy. I'm just not. You're not a greedy guy, but you. <laughs> But you, yeah, <laughs> let's start over. Three, two, one. You're not a greedy guy, but you're just expecting a top ten team to trade um, their pick for Duke Johnson in a third and fifth rounder. So yeah, I will no. own up to my mistake. I've never said anything worse or more stupid in this podcast. But I was more of just like spitting shit out there that could be really surprising. But that likelihood of happening is point zero zero one. Uh, so. No, it's just zero. Like there's no, there's no <laughs> point. Like it's a zero. <laughs> but uh, I do my way. I do gotta ask because I mean, you know, sharing is caring, and whatever glue you guys are sniffing must be some good shit because wow, those are some crazy predictions, you know. But uh, I think that kind of wraps up what we have for you guys today. Um, so first off, you know, again, thank you guys for listening, checking us out. Be sure to hit us up on Twitter at talking underscore football. Again, we have apparel, so if you want something, just send us a message. Let us know your size. We'll get it to you as soon as we can. Um, you know, thanks for hanging out with us, and that's all we got today. And of course, we were talking football. Mm-hmm.